This is The Guardian. Today, avian flu is decimating our wild bird population. How dangerous could it be for humans too? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It feels great to be on the islands. It's often quite quiet in certain places, often quite noisy in other places. You can't really escape from the noise of the birds. It's constant. There's puffins, gulls nesting, and on the cliff edges, guillemots and the auks and the shags and the kittiwakes. And they all have different noises, different behaviours. It's fascinating. I always think fulmers look really majestic flying across the sea. And then I always think puffins, when you see them landing, it's like, oh, that was a bit clumsy. But then when you see them diving in the water, they look so streamlined and professional between the bird breeding season and the seal season, it can be very quiet and very peaceful and you just feel connected to the island. Harriet Reed works as a ranger for the National Trust on the Farn Islands, which are just off the coast of Northumberland. Depending on the whim of the tide, these craggy islands can appear and disappear from view. It's a part of the world that has been largely left to nature, where Atlantic grey seals bask on the slippery rocks and where more than 40,000 pairs of puffins, terns, guillemots and eider ducks meet and mate. Harriet's job is to protect these birds, but in recent months that's become much harder to do because a very contagious strain of avian flu has been spreading among them. None of the owns escaped the effects of bird flu. At first it was kind of trickles, there were odd dead birds, and then we were just seeing more and more guillemots in the water, um, dead, and we would have to be in hazmat suit, wearing goggles, a proper fitted mask, gloves, and... Last year, we picked up around 6,000 carcasses, and it was devastating. This avian flu, H5N1, is so far proving impossible to contain. It's spread to farmed birds across the UK, Europe and in the US, meaning hundreds of millions have died or had to be killed. And now it's spread to mammals too. From The Guardian... I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, how concerned should we be about bird flu? 
Phoebe Weston, you're a biodiversity reporter on the Age of Extinction project at The Guardian. And you've been recording for months now how avian flu is decimating the wild bird population. Just how bad is the situation right now? It is the worst bird flu outbreak in the UK, Europe and North America. From poultry on farms to flocks in the wild, global bird populations are being ravaged this year by a deadly strain of avian influenza. Across Canada, the virus has hit an estimated 5 million birds. And Britain was kind of the epicentre of this outbreak back in last spring, summer with our seabird colonies. We have all these birds migrating in to like form these amazing maternity wards on our coastline. And normally it's a time of incredible life. But they just started to drop dead, like literally birds falling out of the sky, washing up on our beaches. We've got... One dead barnacle goose in the ditch right in front and on the island behind. So it was a pretty horrific event. And unlike COVID, with humans, we could go into lockdown. We didn't see our friends. We stayed in our homes. These birds are international travellers and there's nothing stopping them. And seabirds travel long distances. So they're taking it into areas of the world that just haven't been exposed to it before. Stretching for more than 3,000 kilometres, the Peruvian coast is home to one of the richest marine ecosystems in the world. But a new threat is devastating this fragile habitat. It's got into South America. There's concerns that it will get into Galapagos Islands. And also, even further down, if it gets to Antarctica, there's like very fragile ecosystems down there which would never have been exposed to this kind of disease. So we think they'll have very little resilience to it, which is extremely worrying. This is down to a virus called H5N1. Tell me about that. How did it originate? The first bird flu virus is hundreds of years old, but the H5N1 strain did, by all reports, come out of commercial geese farm in Asia in 1996. And it's been spreading since then, but it got really bad in 2021 when this new strain of the virus developed because this strain spreads much more effectively in wild birds than previous strains and it's more deadly. So this has caused an outbreak like one we've never seen before. So just how infectious is this current strain of it? It's kind of crazy. So the R number for bird flu can be as high as 100. So one bird is infecting a hundred other birds. And tests show that at four degrees Celsius, this virus can last for six weeks in the natural environment. And just a teaspoon of feces can kill a whole shed of birds. So if you imagine if a gull or something does a poo outside a chicken shed and six weeks later, someone steps on that poo and walks into a chicken shed, you've just killed the whole shed. And then if you think again about the way that birds behave in the breeding colonies, they're really close together and they're pooing all over the place. And like coughing and fighting and stuff. So it's one of the most infectious diseases there is. And that R number you were talking about, that's bird to bird transmission, isn't it? Yes, it's bird to bird. I'm sure we'll talk about this in a bit, but there is a concern about spillover. So this is when it gets from birds into mammals. But this virus is happiest 
when it's spreading between birds. Like that's what it's designed to do at the moment. And that's what it does most effectively. What happens physically to a bird when it's infected? It spreads throughout the whole bird and they get serious internal bleeding and then it reaches the brain. They get quite swollen heads. It will be kind of wobbling around. They won't be scared of humans and they can't really fly. It's quite upsetting to see it. Um, And then within about, I think it varies between species, but like within about 24 hours of showing these symptoms, they're generally dead. What are people advised to do if they see that? So don't touch any birds. Stay away, keep your dog on a lead. Call, there's a DEFRA helpline. Call DEFRA, let them know. People might be tempted seeing this bird and that kind of suffering to like take it into the local vets, but don't because... It's so contagious. Not only are you putting yourself at risk, but you're putting all of the other animals in whatever sanctuary you try and take it to at risk as well. Are there some species of bird that have been more affected by this than others? It seems like most wild bird species are susceptible to it. In the UK, 65 species have found to have had H5N1. We have really important populations of rare seabirds and it's never got into them before. This amazing bird called the Great Skewer, we have 60%, I think, of the global population. They've collected carcasses of 8% of the population. Can you imagine that? In a space of a few months, 8% of this bird has been wiped out. The UK has two-thirds of northern gannets And they think that up to 25% of them are dead in some colonies. Many of these birds will be 20 to 30 years old. They only produce one or two chicks and they take a long time to reach maturity. So again, that's really concerning. And those are only the carcasses that we've actually collected. Because of course, you're not going to find these bird carcasses, like the majority of them. So we are at a stage with some species that if this goes on, they potentially could be wiped out. Yeah. I mean, great skewers is a massive concern because the global population of great skewers is 33,000. They're already really low on numbers. And since 1986, the UK's population of breeding seabirds has fallen by almost a quarter. They're already under loads of pressure from overfishing, which is meaning that they don't have any food, loss of habitat, climate change. These are all human pressures that we're putting these birds under. So if we want them to be more resilient to bird flu, we can act on those pressures and hopefully we can make more resilient bird populations that will be better able to deal with this bird flu. Like, we don't know how many birds have survived H5N1 because we can't test them for antibodies. Mm. We don't know how much immunity there is within the population. There could be a reasonable amount, but there could be very, very little. So what conservationists are really worried about is this spring, we're going to see all of these seabirds come back to the UK and the same thing could just happen again. We're going to see these losses year on year on year. And this virus has also spread from wild birds into those that are being farmed. You know, people will remember that towards the end of last year, shops were no longer selling free-range eggs because chickens had been infected and so farmers had to keep them inside to try and control the spread. And in fact, I've just looked at a packet of eggs in my cupboard and those are labelled as barn eggs when they're meant to be free-range. 
How much has this virus affected farming in the UK? So there's been more than 330 outbreaks of bird flu in UK poultry farms since October 2021. Globally, there's been more than 140 million farmed birds culled since October 2021. It's endemic in the UK bird flu, like we've had it all year round. Before it was something that came in winter and then wasn't really around during spring. And also before, we would have mass culling of certain sheds or certain barns that got bird flu and that would kind of sort it out like it was controllable and now it's just escalated it's completely out of control. Um, Just how much of an issue has bird flu been for you and your flocks this year? Uh, It was awful last October it was um, sweeping through East Anglia like wildfire and it was the worst October of my life because it was one of those things where you think it can't get any worse well it could there are some farmers and colleagues of ours that have lost their entire business. And my mum's a, she's a farmer and we've had between 100 and 300 chickens, like ever since I can remember, she sells eggs and sells them for meat. And in at the beginning of last year, she just stopped. She said that it wasn't worth it. She didn't want to have chickens that were kept inside all of their lives. And she figured that bird flu isn't going away. And so she just called it and said, I'm not doing chickens anymore. So I feel really sorry for so many chicken farmers in the UK, but particularly those who have free range chickens, maybe wondering whether they can even carry on with their livelihood anymore. The government's proposing new rules for anyone who keeps chickens in their garden, that they'd have to register them to try and help stem the spread of this. Farmers already have to do that. What's the government doing to support them through this crisis? So if you report that you have bird flu in a healthy flock of birds, i.e. you've got it quickly, you get compensation because they'll they'll always cull the whole shed. But if you don't report it quickly and your birds are already sick, you don't get compensation. Mm. So this is encouraging people to like get in there early because again, just to stop spread. The other thing which could happen is vaccinations. So currently in the UK, and I think quite a lot of other countries, they don't vaccinate poultry for flu. And this is over concerns that you could vaccinate your poultry and then move them to another country. And remember, the poultry industry is very international, like chicks are shipped all over the world. Yeah they would go to another country which didn't have vaccinations and then cause an outbreak because your chickens wouldn't show sign of disease. But the EU has now overturned that. And I think the UK is probably looking to change that as well, because as I kind of said, it's like going to become pretty untenable to be a chicken farmer. We're referring to this, of course, as bird flu or avian flu, but this strain has spread to mammals as well, hasn't it? Can you just give us a sense of what's happened across the world? It's spread to various mammals. It's been found in foxes, skunks, otters, seals, bobcats, bears. It was found in a domestic cat as well, I think. And sea lions died in Peru of suspected bird flu and there was a video of one of these sea lions dying and it took like 10 days and it was just horrific. We're at a beach resort south of Lima and the Wildlife Service have found this young male sea lion. 
It's emaciated and too weak to move, and they say all the symptoms indicate that it's dying from bird flu. Unfortunately, there's nothing they can do to help it. These are called spillover events, and it's when it jumps the species barrier. Now, so far, the animals that have got bird flu are scavenging animals. So these are ones that have got it from eating birds. But then in October, there was an outbreak in a mink farm. An outbreak of avian influenza, also known as the bird flu, has been reported at a mink farm in Spain. More than 50,000 minks were euthanized because of the outbreak. They think they come into contact with wild birds because they've been like sharing the same food. But really crucially, they think it also been spreading from mink to mink. Now, this was a really significant moment because this indicates mammal to mammal spread. And in order to do that, the virus had to rejiggle a bit. It had created a new variation that shows that it could potentially, if it can create these new combinations, it could make humans more vulnerable. Well, towards the end of last month, we found out that two people in Cambodia had been infected with avian flu, didn't we? Yeah, so at the end of February, an 11-year-old girl from Cambodia died from H5N1. It's said the 11-year-old from Preveng province was diagnosed with bird flu after falling sick with a high fever and cough on February 16. On Friday, authorities announced the girl's father had tested positive for H5N1 but was showing no symptoms. We know that they got it through contact with infected birds and this was worrying because it suggested that the current H5N1 variant that we have, the one that I've been speaking about, could be killing humans. It has, there have been five human cases of it, but they've all been mild. But the Cambodia case, they've actually done tests on it and discovered that although it was H5N1, it wasn't this mainstream strain. It was another strain which is endemic to Cambodia and has been around at least since 2013. Has it spread to other people since then? With that specific case, they tested her other contacts and they've tested negative. What's the likelihood when a person is infected with this virus that they would die from it? So the first known human cases of H5N1 were reported in 1997 in China and Hong Kong, where 18 people were infected through contact with infected birds. Then six of them died. And since then, the World Health Organization says that there's been 860 human infections across 19 countries. And of these, 53% have resulted in death. This is kind of a bit scary, actually, because COVID's less than 1%. Okay. But remember that the new strain of H5N1, which has been found in people and so far the symptoms have been mild, it is still considered low risk to humans. But that doesn't mean that people are not extremely alert to the possibility that it could happen. Coming up, could H5N1 be the next global pandemic? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Phoebe, this virus is decimating our wild bird population and infecting farmed birds too. What is going to stop this becoming another pandemic? They still think it's low risk to people. And I understand it sounds really alarming. It basically, this virus, flu viruses, are what we call really fit viruses. They have different combinations of proteins and they are good at mixing and matching their proteins. And when they find a new host, they could potentially come out with new combinations that could be more dangerous to other mammals or other humans, for example. Now, people are obviously concerned because this virus is so widespread and we know it's now in so many species of bird and mammals. This is giving the virus more opportunities to change genetically which could make it more dangerous to humans. But the modification it would require to spread between humans is quite substantial. And that H5N1 has been around, as I said, like since 1996. And this specific modification hasn't happened so far. Is the government doing anything to prepare in case human-to-human transmission were to start? So the government is looking to create lateral flow tests, which I imagine would be given out to farm workers, people working closely with birds and other animals like pigs as well. Big concern about it getting into pig farms. We need to test widely. And then if ever it did get into people, we need to react extremely quickly. UK authorities have shifted up a gear. The Animal and Plant Health Agency is leading a consortium to address the bird flu challenge, including potential risk to people. Now they're starting to look into how they could create a vaccine, a human vaccine for bird flu. But again, that's very early stages. And then more generally, if it got into the human population, I'm afraid it would be similar kind of restrictions that we would have with COVID in terms of social distancing. There are antivirals that they think can reduce the risk of people getting seriously ill with 
bird flu. And the fact that they're starting to kind of ready themselves for that is reassuring that in the an unlikely event that it does get into humans, they could react quite quickly. That is reassuring to know. So really the threat level to humans at the moment is low. But aside from that, what's it been like to be reporting on this disease and, and seeing how it's devastating our wildlife? It's one of the saddest stories I've ever covered. Like I'm kind of dreading this spring and the thought of all of those magnificent seabirds just dropping out of the sky again. I, I just think that the planet is in such a fragile state already and to have these kind of viruses ripping through our wildlife populations, I just wonder how much more of this many of them can take. The suffering associated with the spread of this virus is quite upsetting and obviously the conservation implications are pretty severe as well. So aside from whether it gets into humans or not, it's really horrific what's happening at the moment with bird flu. Phoebe, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. That was Phoebe Weston. You can, of course, keep up with her work at theguardian.com. And before her, you heard Harriet Reid from the National Trust. Thank you to both of them for talking to us. If you've come across dead wild birds that you think um, might have died from avian flu... The government advises that you report that to them online at www.gov.uk forward slash guidance forward slash report dead wild birds or by calling 03459 335577. This episode was produced by Rose de la Rabiti and sound designed by Felix Taylor. The executive producer was Huma Khalili. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.